But let's take our Bibles, turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Last week, we started at the beginning of chapter 14. And I love that first verse where Jesus is speaking. And he says, let not your heart be troubled. And why could he say that? Because Jesus says, even though I'm going away, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He says, you don't want to be troubled. It's not over. Even though Jesus is preparing his disciples for what Jesus knew would come, for his imminent death, Jesus knew that he wouldn't stay dead. He would rise again the third day, and later he would, 40 days later, he would ascend up into heaven, and there he would be for eternity, and he's there now preparing a place for us. Although there is going to be a day when Jesus leaves heaven, and it's coming soon, I believe. Jesus is going to come back for his own, the Bible says. The trumpet's going to sound. The dead shall be raised incorruptible. Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to bring his own back to spend an eternity with him. I'm looking forward to that day. And when you remember that day, remember what's coming. Remember heaven. Your heart doesn't have to be troubled, does it? But Jesus continues on with this theme in John chapter 14 as he's talking with his disciples. I mean, think about it. This is the man that they followed for the last three, three and a half years. This is the man who has taught them. This is the man that they have seen feed thousands of people with just a few loaves and fish. This is a man that they've seen walk on the water. This is a man that is claimed to be God because he really was God. He really is God. But as these people heard this, his disciples, there may have been some concern. And Jesus is about to go away is what he's telling them. And I don't know about you, but being alone is not something that we all enjoy. Now, I know some of you may be more introverts and you like to spend some alone time by yourself. Nothing wrong with that. But I think if we're honest, none of us wants to feel abandoned, right? Like somebody left us. And probably many of you have experienced some sort of abandonment in your life. Maybe it was on purpose. Somebody left you because you thought they didn't like you anymore. They gave up on you. Or they once said they loved you and then they went off and did selfish things and went and did something else. Or maybe you felt abandoned because somebody that you love passed away. And they're gone. That's a reality that we all face, isn't it? It's a struggle that we all go through. And yet, as we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, Jesus is speaking to His disciples, and He's going to be telling them, He's going to be saying, I'm not alone. Jesus is saying He was never alone. And He's going to tell them, you're not alone either. And I'll encourage you this morning, you're not alone. You may feel alone. You may look around and say, well, there's nobody else. You are not alone. Now let me go back. You're in John 14, but if you want to stick your finger there, turn back to John chapter 1, because we need to start there, and then we'll come back to 14. You say you're jumping a lot of chapters. I think you'll see why when I read from John chapter 1, and verse 32 and 33, because here we are going to see why Jesus was not alone. John chapter 1, verse 32, it says, And John... Bear records saying, I saw the Spirit, who's he talking about? The Holy Spirit, right? Descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water. The same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending, and, I love this, 
remaining on him. Some people think the Spirit comes and the Spirit leaves and the Spirit comes, Spirit leaves. That's not what the Holy Spirit did with Jesus. It remained. And the Holy Spirit does the same thing with us today. He says, remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. You see, Jesus, even when he was in human flesh, when he came, took on flesh and was born as a baby, and he grew up and lived a life on this earth, he was not separated from his part in the Trinity. God is made up of three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, but one God in three persons. And people throughout history have tried to explain all the details and nuances of that. But listen, we believe it because the Bible teaches it. We don't believe it because we can explain it perfectly. But suffice it to say, there is one God, but He exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, that's Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. And in this passage, in John chapter 1, we see all three mentioned. Now, we didn't read the verse where it talks about God the Father, but God the Father then speaks about Jesus, and He says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So we see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all in the same passage of Scripture. And so, Jesus has the Holy Spirit on him. Now, did the Holy Spirit just at that moment come to dwell with Jesus and he hadn't previous to this? No. This was just a picture so that everybody else could see the Holy Spirit is with Jesus. Just like when you get baptized, that's not when you get saved, right? That's not when your sins are washed away, but that's a picture that everybody else gets to see. Hey, this salvation work has already been done in this person's life. Their sin has been forgiven. They've trusted in Jesus Christ, and now they're being baptized so everybody else can see it, so that it's a testimony to say, this is what has happened to me. And so this was a similar situation. Jesus is going to be baptized with water, but he also is receiving the Holy Spirit as a picture of what happens to us when we get saved. The Bible teaches that when we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when our sins are forgiven, that we also receive the Holy Spirit. We'll see that a little bit this morning. A few things by way of introduction. I want you to notice as we think about those verses we just read in John 1, that Jesus is not alone. Jesus is never alone. The Holy Spirit remained with him. And that's very important. He remained with him. If you are trying to do life alone, on your own, you are not following in the footsteps of Jesus. Some people try to be so self-sufficient and so able and I'm just tough enough. You're not tough enough. I think I said it a few weeks ago, you might be tough, but you're only tough for a sheep right? All we like sheep, right? You're not tough enough. We can't do life alone. Jesus also needed help. You say, what do you mean, pastor? Jesus needed help? Yes, he did. In uh, Luke chapter 4, Jesus goes into the wilderness, and he is tempted of Satan three times. Who was with Jesus in the wilderness? The Holy Spirit. If you, if you aren't sure about that, go look it up in Luke 4. It's right in verse 1. The Holy Spirit was the one that led him into the wilderness. 
And that's an encouraging thing, isn't it? Because you may be going through a temptation, a difficulty, a struggle in your life right now. But if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit's with you. And the Holy Spirit never leaves us as believers. Holy Spirit needed help, and Jesus turned to the Holy Spirit for help. He, he prayed to the Spirit. He called out to the Spirit. Who do you turn to for help? What do you turn to for help? I'm nervous preaching on this this morning because the reality is I think the Holy Spirit is very misunderstood. So I may say some things this morning that sound a little different to you or something that may be something you weren't familiar with or might be different than what you've heard before. And I'm going to do my best to just present to you what the Word of God says this morning. And I hope that you'll listen with an open mind and an open heart to the Word of God. And that you would commit in your heart, even at the beginning of this message, that what the Bible says is true. So if the Bible says it, I'm going to do my very best to live it. And sometimes God's Word, it, it, it kind of feels like a sword in us, doesn't it? The Bible says the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It goes in, it cuts and slices and dices and divides us up. I'm paraphrasing, the slice dice isn't in the Bible, but that's what he's talking about. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, the joints and marrow is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's a very small cut, isn't it? To know the, what your thought is, what your intent is, what your motive is, what's going on. And so if the Word of God is doing that as, as the Word is preached this morning, don't push it away, don't shut it down, don't turn it off. Let God do His work in you, okay? So, let's look at John chapter 14, because Jesus here is speaking about the Holy Spirit. And Freddie read part of the passage to us, but I want to go back a little bit in the chapter, back to verse number 12. John chapter 14, verse number 12, Jesus says, Verily, verily, or this is true, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now, wait a minute. Jesus just said that we're going to do greater works than he did. What does that mean? How many of you walked on the water this morning? You might have slipped in the shower, but that's a very different thing, okay? How many of you just got up at the table and you just walked over and there was one piece of toast left over from yesterday and you divided it up and fed all of your family and you brought the extra to church. You didn't do that, right? So what does he mean by this? Because he's obviously not saying we're going to go walk on water, we're going to feed thousands of people with one loaf of bread. But some people try to take this passage of Scripture and use it to mean that kind of stuff. Say, you're going to do miracles, you're going to do all this stuff. Now, does God still do great works? Does He still do miraculous things? Sure, He's God. He can do whatever He wants. He still heals sick people. I'm thankful for that. That's why we pray to Him to do it. Does He always heal sick people? Not by always giving them physical strength. Sometimes the healing is given, taking them to heaven to be with Him. Right? But what does he mean by this when he says, you're going to do greater works than me? Well, think about this. Jesus, when he was on this earth, he was God in human flesh. He was 
on earth in one place at one time, right? He was speaking to one group of people in one place. But after Jesus left, and he left the Holy Spirit with us, all of us have, if we're believers and we're saved, have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, and we can go and preach the same gospel that Jesus preached. What was Jesus' mission? He said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And if we have the Holy Spirit in us, we have the power of God working through us, we can preach the same gospel that Jesus preached, and we can take it all around the world. And that's exactly what happened after Jesus left. After he ascended back into heaven, he left those there with the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, they received the Holy Spirit, and they went out later on, the Bible says, they turned the world upside down. Now, the world's upside down right now, isn't it? But it's not upside down for Jesus, is it? But I believe God can still do the same work today that he did back then. Because the Holy Spirit's the same. God's the same. The gospel's the same. Jesus is the same. And he's still chosen to put his gospel in earthen vessels, clay pots, you and me, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We often have excuses, well, but pastor, the world is a very dark place now. You don't think it was dark back then? Christians suffering and dying for their faith. Many of them living in slavery. And yet they still carried the good news of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they had the power of the Holy Spirit living in them. That's what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about doing greater works because the works he was doing, you go back a little bit, he's sharing the good news. He's telling them about Jesus. He had just finished saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And you and I can share the same message today. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. By Jesus Christ, we can get to the Father but let me keep going here. He says, Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Oh, no. Two controversial passages in the same verse. Right? This next verse, he says, Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. We live in a world where people think, well, if I just invoke the name of Jesus over this prayer, then God is going to somehow do it. Listen, when we pray, when you hear me pray, I will finish and say, in Jesus' name, amen. But me saying in Jesus' name doesn't control God. Right? I don't get to tell God what to do. He gets to tell me what to do. So when we pray in Jesus' name, what he's talking about is our prayers ought to be in line with the character and with the will of God. Does that make sense? So it's not wrong to pray in Jesus' name. I think it's a wonderful thing to do. He's talking about doing it here. But we need to understand what that means when we're doing it, okay? And don't feel like, well, I said in Jesus' name, so now God has to do it. And then feel like, well, maybe I didn't pray the right prayer or didn't have enough faith or, or something else if God didn't heal this person when I said. But God, I said in Jesus' name. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about praying according to his character, who he is, and according to his will. And the reality is we don't always know exactly what God wants to do in, his, in every situation. But if you're trying to figure out what God is trying to do, his mission in this world, his plan for creation, you know what? He has revealed that to us. It's right here in his word. If you want to know the will of God, 
get in the Word of God. And God will show us what He wants us to do. But He keeps going here. He says, verse 15, If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Here's the first point, and I want you to really stay with me on this one, because it's very important. The Holy Spirit is helpful. He's helpful. God gave Him to us to help us. Isn't that wonderful that we have a helper? He uses the word here in our Bible, the comforter. That's the Greek word paraclete or parakletos. He's the one who comes alongside, who lifts us up, who helps us, who comforts us, who advocates on our behalf, who is there when everyone else leaves. He's our comforter. Aren't you thankful that you have a comforter? Go through difficult times. We need a helper. We need a helper. So here's a very simple question then. If we need helpers, then how do we get help from the helper, right? God's Word is, while it's very deep theological and tells us all kinds of things, it's also intensely practical, okay? God's Word teaches us how to get what God is talking about, okay? So he says the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Well, you say, well, how do I get comfort? How do I get the help that I need? Well, look back at the passage of Scripture. He says, verse 12, He that believeth on me. So if you want the work of the Holy Spirit, it starts with believing on Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit does not live on you. He's not helping you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if there's never been a time where you've trusted in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is not helping you. He's helping those that He dwells inside of. And for Him to be inside of you, it first starts with belief in Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. So do you believe in Jesus? Secondly, it is aligning ourselves with God's will, right? So we have the Holy Spirit in us, but if we're going to experience His help in our life, we need to be aligned with God's will. We need to be following what He wants us to do. Notice, that's what He's talking about here when He says, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name. I need to do the very best that I can before God to say, God, I want what you want. I want to do what you want to do. God, I want to be aligned with your will. Not over here somewhere with my own plan and my own program, doing my own thing, but right here where you want me, Lord. Be aligned with the will of God, right? To experience help, we've got to be in the way. I love what Scripture says. I being in the way, the Lord led me. When we are walking with God, when we're in close fellowship with God, we experience the strength and the help and the power that the Holy Spirit gives. That's why he talks here, praying in the name of Jesus, being aligned with the will of God. You see, God blesses what he instructs us to do. When we do what God tells us to do, God blesses that. He helps us to do it. 
He says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He tells us, he says, humble yourself in the sight of God, and he will lift you up. If you obey God, if you do what God wants you to do, he will bless. He will help. He will give strength. That brings us to the next one. Seek to grow in love and obedience to God. What does he say in verse 15? Remember, I told you at the beginning, I'm going to do my very best to preach what the Bible says. That's what I always do, but especially when you come into these topics, it can be a little touchy for folks. We've got to be back at the foundation. What does the Bible say? He says in verse 15, If ye love me, keep my commandments. You see, if you love someone, you're going to want to live a certain way with them, right? If you love me, keep my commandments. Seek to grow in love and obedience to God. Love without obedience leads to unholiness. Let me say that again. Think about that. Love without obedience leads to unholiness. Right? Child says, Mommy, I love you, but doesn't obey mommy child ends up doing wrong, right? Very simple, unholiness. When we say, well, God, I love you, but I'm not going to do what you say, we are unholy. We are not righteous. It's very simple. At the same time, obedience without love leads to unhappiness, right? So if it's all you do this, you do this, and there's no love, you end up very unhappy, right? That's very important because often people get on one extreme or the other, right? It's all about love and there's no obedience. Or it's all about obedience and there's no love. Have you ever tried to ride your bicycle by only pedaling on one side? Really hard to do, isn't it? But what happens when you're pushing both pedals around, right? Love Obedience, love, obedience, it works, doesn't it? Because the one brings the other and vice versa, right? And that's how we move forward in our Christian life. And some of you might feel stuck right now. And you might be stuck because you're so caught up in the obedience. God, I just can't do enough good stuff. You're right. Remember, He loves you. And it's not all about just doing all the right stuff. Some of you might be stuck because you just know God loves you and you're so thankful for it, but you're not in His Word and you're, you don't know what He says. And when you do find out what He says, you're like, yeah, but He loves me. I can do whatever I want. And so there are a lot of people, I think a lot of Christians, that are out pedaling with one foot trying to ride around. And while it looks silly for me to do it on stage... It's really sad, isn't it, when people live like that in their life? You could have both. And that's what he's teaching us here in this passage. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. There's this love, relationship, obedience, trust, right? If you trust somebody, you will obey them, right? If I asked you to do something, if I called you up and said, hey, would you do this for me? There's an element of trust in that, right? That 
All right, if you do this, I'm going to help you or I'm going to provide for you. Sometimes I do that with my children. Hey, I need you to go do this for me. And kids, they don't always know what's out in front, right? Just like we don't as adults. But sometimes we can see a little bit further than they can. But we're asking them to do something. Why do they do it? Because they hopefully trust us that mommy and daddy love me. And they want what's best for me. So I can obey mommy and daddy because I know they love me. We need the love and the obedience because that's what helps us as we move forward. Seek to grow in love for and obedience to God. Here's a fourth thing, though, that we see here. We need to recognize our need for help. Notice he says in verse 16, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may This is the same thing from John 1. Abide with you forever. Remember in John 1 it said the Holy Spirit came and he remained with Jesus forever. It's the same idea. Holy Spirit is with us. He abides with us. We need to recognize that we need his help. You're not strong enough. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. If you don't know Jesus, you cannot receive the Holy Spirit. Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. See, the disciples had seen the work of the Holy Spirit because they saw Jesus' work. And Jesus did work through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had descended upon him. He was remaining with him. As Jesus did those miracles, did that work, as he went out and did what he did, he was doing it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, you, he's with you, but he will be in you. And today we have the Holy Spirit who is in us. He's in us. Self-help is no substitute for the Spirit's help. You... You cannot help yourself enough to overcome what the Spirit is able to do in your life. The Holy Spirit helps to make us more like Jesus. Here's one of the wonderful things, as he says there at the end of the verse, that the Holy Spirit is in us. He dwelleth with you. He shall be in you. Let me me tell you this. You can't wear the Holy Spirit out. You can wear people out, can't you? Maybe you've had someone like that. They're calling you all the time with some problem or some struggle, and eventually you look at your phone and go, "Mm, I think that one's going to voicemail right now. I just can't deal with it right now. Why? Because maybe you're busy doing something else. You can call the Holy Spirit at 3 in the morning. He's there. And you don't need cell phone reception to do it because he hears your prayers. He's available. He never gets tired. He's ready to listen. His power is always fresh. It never wears out. And yet, so many people today live without the power of the Holy Spirit, even believers. It's not because he's not in them as believers, but because they're not living in that power It'd be sort of like if you were on a trip. You said, I'm I'm flying to Hawaii. Maybe we'd all like to do that. We're flying across. Maybe you brought your laptop along and you said, I'm going to get some work done. 
while I fly across here. But you look over here and your battery is about to run out. You say, oh no, I can't get any work done, no battery. Your battery runs out and you sit there frustrated the whole rest of the way on the plane. And as you're about to get off the plane, you happen to drop your pen on the floor. And as you bend down to get your pen, you look over and there's a power outlet right under your seat. You think, how foolish was I? I had the power under my seat all the time. I just wasn't plugged in. And that's how we treat the Holy Spirit sometimes. He wants to be your helper, your comforter. But it starts with belief in Jesus Christ. Then aligning ourselves with the will of God. Growing in that love and obedient relationship. And then recognizing that you need help. You don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. We need the Holy Spirit. Well, how does this work? Well, I'm tempted, troubled, I'm tried, I'm struggling. God, I need help. Okay, turn off the news. Maybe turn on some recording of Scripture. Turn on some good worship music. Get down on your knees and pray. Get alone with God. Don't keep yourself so busy with all the struggle around that you're not with the Lord. You see, the Holy Spirit sometimes does miraculous things. And I think everybody's looking for that. Oh man, boy, if we brought somebody up this morning and they had cancer and we laid hands on them and the cancer was gone, we'd have a lot more people next Sunday with cancer, wouldn't we? Because they'd all want to be healed. People are looking for the miraculous. But let me tell you folks, often the Holy Spirit, I think most of His work is done in the mundane. It's in the simple, everyday things of life. He, he's at work, but we often miss it. How did Jesus overcome temptation? Through the power of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit, right? As He spoke the Word of God in the power of the Spirit of God, He overcame the temptation of the devil himself. Well, what about this? Pastor, I'm having a hard time forgiving someone. They hurt me badly. What they said was hurtful. I just can't get there emotionally. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, that we're to be kind one to another, forgiving one another. You say, well, how do we do that? Go back a couple verses. Verse 29, he says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. So don't say bad things, profane corrupt, rotten things. He says, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You say, well, how do we do that? Verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of, unto re, of redemption. I don't have to grieve the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's in me to give me strength to say the right thing. He says, let all bitterness, wrath, Anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. you. Say, Pastor, okay, I hear you, but that's still not enough. Galatians says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Here's the next one, long-suffering. 
Sometimes we call that patience. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. You know what that is? Self-control. But it's not really self-control. It's spirit control. That I've submitted my will, my emotions, my struggle, my hurt, right? My pain, whatever it is. Said, Lord, you're going to have to take care of this. I need help. I'm not enough. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Often the ministry of the Holy Spirit's in the mundane. He helps us forgive. He helps us have strength for the daily struggle. We got to stay connected to the Holy Spirit and let His power flow through us daily. It's, as a believer, it's not that He's not with us and not that He's not in us. But if we're not living in the strength of what He does for us, we're missing out. We're missing out. Now there's a lot, i got a, a lot of ground to cover. I'm going to try to go quickly. That first point so important. Holy Spirit's our hel- helper. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is relational. Look down in verse 18. Jesus says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, So this wasn't Judas Iscariot, this is the other Judas. Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? So how are we going to be able to see you, Jesus? And the world is not able to see you. The unsaved people not able to see you. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, will keep my words, and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, Keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter. There it is. The Comforter, the Holy Spirit is going to come. See, the Holy Spirit is relational. He starts there, back in verse 18, he says, I will not leave you Comfortless. Now that word comfortless is a different Greek word, if you go back to the original language, than the word comforter that's earlier. Comforter is that idea of the one who comes alongside to help and to encourage and to comfort us. This leaving you comfortless is from the same word that we also get the English word orphan. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan without somebody to comfort you. Think about orphans. This is a child growing up without a mom and dad, without grandparents, without somebody to love them and care for them. And this would have been very poignant to these disciples as Jesus was speaking because to be an orphan in this day and age when Jesus was speaking, you had no hope. I mean, the best you could probably hope for yourself if you were a young man was to become a gladiator. You'd probably end up a slave of some kind. Young woman who's an orphan, 
She was most likely a slave. Being an orphan at any stage is not a good thing. But back in this time period, there was no support, no help for being an orphan. So thankful for people that love orphans and care for orphans and provide for orphans. We have friends who work in some orphanages over in some other places overseas. I'm thankful for the work that they do. It's a very important work. Thankful for people that even in our own country care for orphans and help them. It's a very important thing. But sometimes, spiritually, we can feel like orphans, can't we? Has God abandoned us? Now think about it. What's about to happen in the timeline here? Jesus is headed to the cross. And when Jesus is hanging on the cross, the Bible says that the sins of mankind, the sins throughout all history, are placed upon Jesus. And what does God the Father do? He turns His back on Jesus. In other words, Jesus became an orphan, so you don't have to be an orphan. Isn't that wonderful? His Father turned His back on Him because of your sin and my sin and the sins of the world so that your sin and my sin and the sins of every person in this world, if they'll trust in Jesus, their sin can be forgiven and they don't have to be comfortless. They have somebody with them. Almighty God dwelling in us. What an amazing thing. He says, I won't leave you comfortless. To be comfortless is someone that is not in a close personal relationship, right? The Holy Spirit is relational. So are we orphaned? No, as believers. But sometimes as Christians, I think we live as though we have an orphaned heart. You may be living as though you have no help, you have no hope. Think about this. What does a parent do? A parent provides presence. Not like wrapped in paper, but a parent is there, right? They're present in your life. A good parent. We live in a world today where people try to be absent parents. It doesn't work, does it? A good parent is present in the lives of their children. The Holy Spirit is present in your life. When you're comfortless, you feel alone. You feel isolated. You feel without help. But the Holy Spirit is present. He's with you. When you wake up and it's a dark day and, and you're struggling with all the thoughts from the night before and you say, I don't even think I can get out of bed today. The Holy Spirit's with you. You're not comfortless. When you get up and you say, I don't think I can face another day. The Holy Spirit is with you. Don't live as though you are an orphan because you are not. And even if, humanly speaking, you are, right? Even if your parents have passed, even if you have no family, and humanly speaking, you are an orphan, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior spiritually, you are not an orphan. You are not comfortless. A parent provides presence. A parent also is pleased with their child, right? My two little ones, youngest two, yesterday came up and said, Daddy, we drew some pictures for you. Listen, those pictures aren't going on the wall of any art gallery anywhere except my own personal art gallery because they're special to me. There was one circle with a bunch of legs all the way around it and a smiley face and a, another paper with a smaller circle and little legs all the way around it and a smiley face. And I said, oh, is this a sunshine? Caden says, nope, this is a daddy spider and a little boy spider. 
I said, all right. A parent is pleased with their children, right? And what's cute and special to you as a parent might not mean anything to anybody else, but it's special to you because you're their parent. And the Holy Spirit will not leave you comfortless. And sometimes isn't that how we are? Hey, God, look what I did today. Look at the picture I drew. God, I, I'm trying to go through this and do this. And, and you might show it to somebody else. You might come to church. Hey, hey, look at what I did. And people just kind of look at you. That's nice. <laughs> but that's not how God is with us. He's pleased when we obey him. He's not going to leave you comfortless. There's hope. There's hope. And people on the news, I've watched a little bit this week, people are like, oh, the nation's divided, it's over. Listen, I hope it's not. Pray for America. Pray for our leaders. Go out and support truth and righteousness and all those things. But folks, there's always hope when God is still on the throne. And He hasn't left us comfortless. He hasn't left us comfortless. But there are going to be probably Christians who will sit at home and they will complain and cry and they'll post about how awful it is. Okay. This world is awful. It's called sin. And our, your problem is that you expect sinners to be better than sinners are. Such were some of you. Don't think so highly of folks that are sinners, but love them. They need Jesus. If you're a sinner here today that's never been saved, you need Jesus. He's your hope. He's your answer. He can give you a future. He can give you purpose. He can forgive you of your sin. I will not leave you comfortless. Holy Spirit, He's with you. Holy Spirit is pleased. A parent also provides purpose. Gives you a reason to live. I mean, you've seen it. I've seen it. Kids growing up without a loving parent in their life. And it's like that child has no purpose. They're just, they're trying to get attention. That's their purpose. That's, what a sad thing. And some of you may be a result of some of that in your life. I'm sorry that you've struggled through those things, but I want you to know you have a heavenly father and he's given us the Holy Spirit. And he has a purpose for your life. You're not here just to fill up space and breathe the air and use up all the air conditioning in Houston. No, you have a purpose to live for Him, to go and share the good news of Jesus. But if you don't know your purpose, how are you going to be able to share anybody else what their purpose is? Some of you might not feel comfortable inviting somebody to church next week because you're unsure of what's going on in your own life. But what happens, folks, is when people get excited about what God's doing in them, people get excited and encouraged and help and get some direction, get some purpose, get some hope in their life, it brings other people along with them. Because the faith of one person, when it's strong and vibrant and fresh, and in the Lord Jesus Christ, it attracts other people. Because they get excited too. They say, I want what he has. Now it may cause some frustration with some people too. Some people say, ah, what's, what's wrong with them? But you're not comfortless. You have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit provides purpose. A parent also provides 
protection, don't they? Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit's protection? The Bible's very clear. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You can look at what's going on in our country and you say, what's wrong with all these bad people? Folks, it's worse than that. It's spiritual wickedness in high places. It's not just the people we're fighting against. That's what he's saying. There's spiritual warfare going on. It's a real thing. The devil is fighting really hard, and he always has, but he's still going to lose in the end. So don't let him win in your heart right now by getting you discouraged making you want to quit, making you afraid to do what God wants you to do. God didn't give you that spirit of fear. That's either your own weakness or the temptation of the devil. Ask God to give you strength and live for Him. A parent provides protection and a parent provides provision. The provision of a parent. He provides, she provides for her children. The Holy Spirit provides for us. With an orphaned heart, you might be obsessed with physical or financial provision. There are a lot of people like that, right? You're just looking for, I got to have enough. I got to have more. I'm not going to be safe. And that's what happens for people that grow up that way, right? Naturally. You're just going to go around trying to get more for yourself because you didn't have enough growing up. And you say, so your life becomes this purpose of trying to fill up with more stuff so you'll be safe and you'll have enough money and you'll have enough things, right? I mean, that was the response of young people that were born right before or during the Depression, right? Because they saw their parents save and hold. And so when the kids got out, they're like, I got to have just lots of money so I can be safe because I don't want ever to go back to the way it was. So that mentality is natural in us, Right? But that's us trying to provide for ourselves. And you ought to work hard. You ought to be a good steward. This isn't talking about stewardship, taking care of what you have, but rather the wrong focus in your life, that your purpose, that your love is something other than God. We can rest in the provision that God provides for us. Jesus says, I will not leave you comfortless. Finally, this morning, Holy Spirit is a helper, he's helpful, he's relational, and he's also very practical. Very practical. Look at verse number 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. Jesus says, I'm with you right now, but I'm telling you this stuff. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Let me stop right there. There's the first practical thing that we see right here that the Holy Spirit does for us. He helps us mentally. Do you see it? He says, He will teach you all things. You said, Lord, I'm not sure what to do. Get in God's Word. Read it. Ask God to work in your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you, and the Holy Spirit will teach you what you need to know. You say, really? That's, that works like that? Yes. You know, it's amazing. I've spent enough time with people before they came to Christ and after they came to Christ, and it's amazing how much better their 
their comprehension of God's word is after they trust in God. And Jesus Christ is their Savior. Why? Because they have the Holy Spirit in them. He's teaching them. He's teaching them. So as a Christian, why would you not be in God's word? It's too hard. No, you have a teacher. You have a teacher. He also says, though, as he helps us mentally, he brings all things to your remembrance. I've had this happen many times in my life, and you probably have too. You face a situation, something's going on, somebody brings a problem to you, or you're facing a problem yourself, and all of a sudden, God brings back a passage of Scripture to your mind, or some message that you heard, or somehow, and you go, wow, I can't believe it, I actually feel like I have the right answer. Why? Because the Holy Spirit brings things to remembrance. Now, for some of you, the problem might be there may not be much for him to bring back to your remembrance because you're not really in God's word as you should be. Amen. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Fill your mind and your heart with the Word of God and you'll be amazed as the Holy Spirit of God helps to teach it to you so you understand it and also bring it back to mind, to remembrance, so that you can be able to overcome difficult things. Holy Spirit's practical. He helps you mentally he also helps us emotionally. Now, some of you say, Pastor, I just need the mental health. I'm fine with my emotions. They're in check. Others of you, emotions are a struggle. Okay? God created your emotions. Jesus had emotions. If you don't think he was emotional when he went in the temple with the whip that day and cleaned out the money changers... You've missed it, right? Okay, Jesus had emotions. But here's the thing about Jesus' emotions. They were in perfect balance. They were perfectly tuned. And ours aren't. They are not because we're human beings. But the Holy Spirit can help us emotionally. You say, really? Yeah. Look back at the passage of Scripture. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Jesus there, hanging on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus was at peace, wasn't he? Jesus says right here in this verse, you can have the same peace. He says, the peace that I have, I give unto you. There's a, so much power in the Holy Spirit. And we're not at peace. You're not at peace when you're not living according to the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, Peace I leave with you, my peace unto give you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. This is the second time in John 14 he said this. Let not your heart be troubled. He said it also in verse 1. Neither let it be afraid. He gives emotional help. Have you ever say, well, but pastor, how do you live in a troubled world and not have a troubled heart? And that's a good question, right? There's a lot of trouble. How can I not be troubled? Well, here's the reality. The world says, 
when everything's okay out there, then I'll be okay in here. Right? The world's definition of peace is that I will be at peace internally when the external circumstances are at peace. That's why everybody wants peace, right? But Jesus says, I give peace through the power of the Holy Spirit regardless of the circumstances outside. This world can be burning up and falling apart. And if a Christian is walking with the Holy Spirit, he can be at peace. The Lord Jesus says, you can have the same peace that I have. That's a lot of peace. In Philippians, the Bible describes that peace as a peace which passeth all understanding. If you're not at peace this morning, you need to examine your relationship with God. There's a problem there because a right relationship with God will bring peace. Peace at work, peace at home. Doesn't mean all the strife will go away, no. Doesn't mean that all of a sudden all the politicians will get along, no, no. It doesn't mean that all the wars will cease. But in your heart there can be peace. Peace. That no matter what happens all around me, I know my God is in control. Jesus says, I leave peace. He gives emotional help. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit transforming the emotional life of the believer. How does, maybe you've met somebody like this. I think we have some people like this in our church. They've been saved a long time. They've been walking with God a long time. And their life is hard when you talk to them. You find out, wow, they've got a lot of struggle. But when you see them at church, you say, but they seem to be at peace. They're here. Man, I, a lot worse things or a lot smaller things would keep me from being here, but they're here. How do they do it? Because they have peace. It's not because they're a better person than you. It's because they're at peace. They've learned how to walk and trust the Holy Spirit, that love and obedience. Love and obedience. It is impossible to have a healthy emotional life without a personal relationship with God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit, that's one of the things he includes. Meekness, temperance, the Spirit control. He gives mental help, emotional help, and finally, spiritual help. Notice what he says here. I'm going to skip down a couple verses. Verse number 29. And now I have told you before it come to pass that when it is come to pass, you might believe. Jesus is telling them something ahead of time. He's saying, this hasn't happened yet. I'm telling you now, so you'll be ready when it does happen. He says in verse 30, Hereafter, I will not talk much with you. No, he was going to go, be crucified. He would appear to them just a few times. They weren't going to see Jesus very much more in person. He says, For the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Who's the prince of this world? Satan. Satan was coming. This is Judas. He's headed off, right? Already he's left to go and to betray Jesus. He's allowing Satan to work in him. He's going to betray him. The Roman soldiers are going to come take Jesus. The religious leaders, Satan's using them too, are going to condemn Jesus. Jesus is going to hang on the cross and die. 
He says, I'm telling you all this stuff ahead of time. But he says this in verse 31, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so do I. There is this spiritual help that helps us even when spiritual forces are fighting against us. See, Jesus was saying, the prince of this world is coming. There's a spiritual force who's fighting against me. The Holy Spirit is still there to help us. But notice the help comes, Jesus talks about it, as I obey the will of my Father. He said it right there at the end of the passage. Did you notice the last line of the verse? People have asked me, where did you get the name of your church? Well, it's found all throughout Scripture. Some people would debate this and say, well, I don't know why this is here. I think I do. It wasn't just so we could name our church, but Jesus is telling them all this stuff. He's saying there's going to be struggle. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. He says, don't give up. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. He says, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. You won't be comfortless. You have a helper. You have a comforter. He finishes all that. He's talking about how he's about to die, how Satan is coming and he's fighting against him. And then he looks around and he says, Arise, let's go hence. Let's get up and go and do something. Too many Christians in the world sitting around complaining. Too many Christians turning on one another. Too many Christians fighting with one another. And the devil just sitting back going, Boy, this is great. I don't even have to do anything. They're doing it for me. We need some believers who will walk in the power of the Spirit, who will get up and go and do something for the Lord. Arise. Let us go. Hence, we come together and we worship God as we should. He's commanded us to do it. But don't let this be the culmination of your Christian walk this week. When you leave those doors, when you arise and go hence, Go live for the Lord. Go live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Know that there's hope. Know that you have a comforter. Know that you have help. Know that you can succeed in the power of God to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Know everybody doesn't get saved. Why? Because people reject it. But there are people that want to hear the good news. There are guys sitting at the donut shop whose daughter's in the hospital this morning in a coma. There are people at your work. They're going through all kinds of awful circumstances. Some of you are struggling and you maybe want to give up. You look at your situation. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough support. People aren't helping me. There's not enough. You have a comforter. Arise. Let us go hence. Finish with this thought. I'm going to ask you some questions. It's okay, you can respond out loud. Are you an orphan spiritually? Are you? Are you sure? Okay, a few of you. Well, maybe. Let's try again. Are you an orphan? Okay, good. You have a father who loves you. And he's adopted you. He'll never abandon you. Are you ever alone? No. So stop living like you're alone. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, now, if you're here this morning, you don't know Christ, your Savior, you are alone. But Jesus is reaching out His hand to you and He wants to bring you into the family.
He died for you, so you don't have to. Is your life meaningless? No, because the Holy Spirit gives purpose, doesn't He? Gives you a reason. Trust the Father. Believe the Son. Walk in the Spirit so you can live in obedience to the will of God. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. He gives that emotional help, help, that mental help, that physical, practical, spiritual health. You can learn the mind of God from the Word of God. You can learn His will for your life. You can learn the ways of God. One more question. Well, two more. Do you need to live with a troubled and fearful heart? No. Let not your heart be troubled. If it's troubled this morning, let us help you in your relationship with God. I'll tell you, it's a relationship though. You're not going to be able to pray one prayer and now, well, never have trouble again. No. How do relationships work? It's a daily thing. Moment by moment. Bible even tells us, pray without ceasing. But some of us want to say, well, I went to church. Everything ought to be good in my life. That's not how it works. But you're not alone. You don't have to be troubled. When we are in pain, we need to be more familiar with God's presence than our pain. I, a friend of mine recently, his grandfather's sick, about to die, and he just said, he's laying there in the hospital bed, and people are going, are you okay? okay? He said, I just can't wait to be with Jesus. Why? The presence of God was more real to him than his pain was. Because he walked with God. Is the presence of God real in your life? Is your heart troubled? If it's troubled or fearful, the Holy Spirit can give you peace. He can give you help. Greater is He that's in you, right? That's the Holy Spirit. Than he that is in the world. You're not powerless if you have the Holy Spirit. Without Him, you are. Final question. Do you need help? Yes, we all do. The Holy Spirit's our helper. He's our comforter. He'll help you. So we can get up and go. We can arise. Would you stand with me as we bow our heads in prayer? So we have a time to respond. Maybe God's spoken to your heart this morning. I know sometimes people stay in their seats. That's fine. You can pray wherever. But if you'd like to come down front and pray with me, I'd love to pray with you. Say, Pastor, I'm struggling. I need help. Pastor, I need to be part of a, a church that is going to help me continue to grow in my spiritual life. I'd love to talk with you about that. Pastor, I need Jesus. I need to be saved. I don't have a helper. Love to tell you about him this morning as well. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm going to pray. Piano is going to play. And then you come, you pray, you get right with God. Do whatever God leads you to do this morning. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the time spent in your word. Lord, we covered a lot of ground this morning, but this is such important stuff. These are such important things for us that really, I think, change the trajectory of our life when we realize that we have a purpose, we have a helper, when we realize we're not alone, when we realize there's hope. And Lord, I, I understand that realizing something in our mind is often different than living it out in our life. 
Lord, I pray that folks would take the practical steps we talked about this morning of believing in Christ as their Savior, if they don't know you as their Savior, Lord, to align themselves with your will, to live out the life that you've called them to do, and to get in your word, and to study it, and read it, and spend time with it, to get connected with a church, to be connected with other people in our church that would help them to grow. Lord, we want to be more like you. I pray that you'd give the help this morning that's needed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.